Entry, Channel and Extra. Now the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush, presents the Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Now ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure of Gas House Ending. The Green Hornet strikes again. The Adventures of the Green Hornet are brought to you by Orange Crush, the world's leading orange drink that tastes better naturally. Orange Crush is flavored with the juice of fresh tree-ripened Valencia oranges, so naturally it tastes better. Always keep delicious Orange Crush handy in your refrigerator. At your dealers, get the Orange Crush Handy Pack. Six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. Joseph Dryden, secretary to Dr. Herman Wiley, president of the American Defense Foundation, delivered the registered letter to his superior. It's from Dr. Hayward, sir. Will you please sign this receipt? The postman's waiting in my office. Uh, certainly, Joseph. Let me have it. There you are. And, Joseph, please see that I'm not disturbed during the next hour. Very well, Doctor. I'll close the door behind me. That night, Joseph Dryden went to a house on the outskirts of the city where he met in secret with a man named Julian Carey. He handed Carey a sheet of paper on which were written a long series of meaningless words. And Julian, that's a copy of the letter Dr. Hayward sent to Dr. Wiley. I went into his office and took it from his safe after he left. You what? <laughs> oh, don't worry. The original's back in place again. Doc Wiley's not wise to you yet, is he? Oh, he never will be, Julian. Joey... If this foundation you work for goes in for developing defense weapons for this government, how come the government doesn't supervise its work or take the outfit over? Because the board members believe in what they call free enterprise, the fools. They think there's too much politics and red tape working for the government directly, so they do things on their own. When they decide one of the defense items is perfect, they'll donate it to the government. <laughs> but they haven't developed one that's perfect yet, huh? Maybe this time they have. I listened in on Wiley's phone while he told Britt Reed that Hayward's project was near completion. Well, let's find out if it is or not. I'll get out my code book and we'll work on this letter. Well, Joey boy... You're at the end of the first trail. Hayward's done it. His project is finished. At least the paper stages of it are. Oh, my superiors will be happy to hear that. Yes, and I'm happy too, Joey boy. Tell them to have the money ready Monday night. Now, according to this letter, Hayward and his papers arrived by plane from Arizona on Monday afternoon. He'll be alone, he says. So this job will be easy. Oh. 
When Dryden left the house, Carrie made a phone call. Hello, Patty. Julie. Let me speak to Pete McCone. Oh, Pete. I want you to look around for a Cadillac to use at the airport next Monday. Oh, this will be a soft touch. I'll tell you about it later when I see you. Rick Reed, young publisher of the Daily Sentinel, was one of the men who had endowed the American Defense Foundation. When word was received by the board members of the successful conclusion to Dr. James Hayward's experiments, Reed, as the youngest and most active member, was selected to fly to Arizona and outline the board's plan for protecting the secret. Dr. Hayward, the foundation, as usual, wants to carry on independent of government or local protective agencies, at least until your papers have been checked and double-checked. Yes, I know all that, Britt. I suppose you'd act as my bodyguard or some such nonsense on our trippies. No, Doctor, the board's plan is not as simple as that. Well, I don't like the theatrical shenanigans they go in for. Theatrical or not, Doctor, believe me, they have their basis in necessity. I think you're wrong, Reed, but go ahead. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Well, Doctor, first of all, I'll change your notes and plans into a newly devised code. I have the code with me. When I've transcribed your papers, I'll send the code book back to the Foundation by mail. When you leave on Sunday evening, you will not carry the papers with you. What? That's right. The board thinks it'll be safer if you carry nothing of importance on your person. No one will expect I might have them. So I'll take them with me when I leave. There may be no peril to security. Rick Reed, because his single-engine plane would take longer to complete the trip, left Arizona alone on Sunday afternoon. As his plane headed eastward, he carried a packet strapped around his chest, inside his shirt. The packet contained the coded plans developed by Dr. James Hayward. Dr. James Hayward, with a 14-hour flight schedule, was on an airliner when he took off at 11 o'clock the same night. He carried a leather portfolio and some papers in his pocket. There was nothing of importance in any of them. On Monday afternoon, gangster Pete McCone, dressed in a chauffeur's uniform, entered the airport terminal. When Dr. James Hayward left the plane, McCone approached him. Dr. Hayward? Uh, yes, yes. I'm from the American Defense Foundation, Doctor. Did you receive Dr. Wiley's message? Yes, I have it right here in my hand. He said he'd have a car waiting for me. Uh, where is it? Over to the side, Doctor. Dr. Wiley said not to wait in the parking lot. Very well. You lead the way. Are you comfortable back there, Doctor? Quite comfortable, thank you. Does this car belong to... Chauffeur, wait. What's the matter? There's Dr. Wiley coming from the administration building. Chauffeur, what are you doing? Didn't you hear me? Stop the car. I said that's the way... Shut up, you old goat. Stay there and keep quiet. Pete jammed on the brakes and turned, kneeling on the seat with a gun in his hand. Now, you keep quiet or I'll... Give me that gun. You're not Dr. Wiley's chauffeur. You're not. I am not what? Now you keep quiet, huh? A 
few miles from the airport in a wooded area, Pete McCone stopped the car. He left the driver's seat and entered the rear of the car. There, disregarding the moans of the badly wounded scientist, he removed all papers from the man's clothing and took the portfolio which Dr. Hayward had carried. Ten minutes later and twenty minutes before police would find Dr. Hayward in the stolen car, Pete McCone, now in a residential area, hailed a passing taxi cab. Hey, taxi! Taxi! Michael Axford was among the first reporters to reach the hospital where Dr. Hayward had been taken. There were few details about the shooting, and Dr. Wiley, who was there with policemen and detectives, kept an air of mystery when he spoke of the incident. Axford called Gunnigan, his city editor. And the chances are against the doctors pulling through. Now, Gunnigan, when I get some more details here, I'm going into the city and learn what I can at that American Defense Foundation. There may be something there. Pete McCone, after making certain he had not been followed, went to Julian Carey's home. While he told his story, Carey pawed through the papers and the portfolio Pete had taken from the wounded physicist. Oh, Pete, it looks as if you've messed up this deal completely. There's nothing in these papers. Well, I took everything the guy was carrying. And we've been crossed up some way, because there's no baggage claim check with this plane ticket. I'd better call Joe Dryden. Okay, Joey boy, call me as soon as you get time. He can't talk. Dr. Wiley's just come into the office with a bunch of detectives and reporters on his tail. They're trying to get Wiley to tell him something about Hayward. Now, that's it, eh? Well, maybe he'll know more when he calls again. Well, I hope so. I want to earn that money they offered us. When Brick Reed landed his plane and placed it in his private hangar, he started through the administration building toward a taxi stand. The cries of a newsboy caught his attention. Hayward. Hey, let me have one of those. Here you are, sir. Yeah, keep the change. Thanks. Read all about it, Great gun. Hayward's been shot. Poor fellow. Taxi, mister? Uh, oh, yeah. Get me to the city in a hurry, driver, to the Midtown building. You bet. Britt Reed entered the offices of the American Defense Foundation to find Michael Axford with Joseph Dryden. And I don't care what you told those other reporters. You must have some idea. Oh, Reed, where did you get back into town? A half an hour ago. I saw the paper and came here directly. Dryden, is Dr. Wiley in? Yes, but he's seeing no more newspaper men, Mr. Reed. All the other reporters have gone, but your man Axford... Don't and... call me your man, you pantywaist. <laughs> All I want is some facts. Someone around here must have them. Well, I'll see what I can learn, Axford. You phone the paper and give Gunnigan whatever you have. All right. But look at here, Mr. Dryden, if that's your name. I don't like your attitude toward the press. Uh, I'm upset. I I'm sorry. All this hullabaloo. Uh... Dr. Hayward's not dead. Joseph, uh, have those... Oh, Dr. Wiley, I came here directly from the airport. Well, come in here. I'll see you. Hello, Reed. Axford took his departure as Reed entered Dr. Wiley's office. 
Reed removed the packet from inside his coat and handed it to the doctor. Here are Hayward's papers, Dr. Wiley. Oh. I haven't left my person since I took off from Arizona. I'm so relieved. Reed, it's a terrible thing that's happened to Hayward. But it would have been worse had he been carrying these plans. Worse for our country, I mean, if they had been stolen. Yes, I agree with you. And so will Dr. Hayward, if and when he recovers. For once, the board members' theatrical security measures have borne fruit. Theatrical? Yeah, that's what Dr. Hayward called them when I suggested I carry the plans rather than have him do it. Yes, he's been skeptical of such measures up to now, but I think he'll change. I hope he'll have the chance. Doctor, place these papers in that safe of yours. Mm -hmm. I'll call the members of the board and we'll hold a meeting tonight. Regarding these plans of Hayward? Yes. In view of what's happened, I think this is one time they'll agree to turn plans over to government without first conducting experiments. Uh, you're, uh, you're sure they'll be all right in the safe here? Positive. I'm the only one who knows the combination. And except for the board members and the man who installed the safe, I'm the only one who knows it's here. Well, nevertheless, I'd keep someone on guard duty here tonight. Certainly. I'll call an agency at once. But wait till I put this away first. Dr. Wiley slid back a wall panel, opened the safe, and placed the papers inside. When the safe was closed, Reed suddenly turned and headed for the door to the outer office. I think I hear someone. Oh. Uh, Dryden, was that you at the door? At the door, Mr. Reed? I've been here at my desk. Is something wrong? Uh, no. No, I must be imagining things. What's the trouble, Reed? Nothing, Doctor. Hearing about Hayward has me on edge, I think. Uh, Reed, I'll call the members of the board now and ask if they can attend a meeting here at 9 o'clock tonight. Good. Um, have you a dinner engagement, Doctor? Uh, no. Then suppose you dine with me. We'll go to the hospital to see Dr. Hayward, have dinner, and come back here later. Well, splendid. I'll meet you at 6 o'clock after I've arranged for the guard and the meeting tonight. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Say, fellas and girls, once Thanksgiving Day rolls around, we're into the holiday season. The season I'm sure you like best of all, because it brings so much fun and excitement. And at happy holiday gatherings with your relatives and friends, delicious sparkling orange crush fits in naturally. Because naturally, it tastes better. Better than any other orange drink. It's that natural, fresh fruit flavor that makes the big difference. Orange Crush is flavored with the pure, natural juice of fresh, tree-ripened Valencia oranges. So naturally, it tastes better. And it makes the good things you eat with it taste better, too. Tell Mom to stock up on Orange Crush for the happy occasions ahead. It'll go so well with the party menu she's probably planning now. And for hurry-up snacks when friends drop in, delicious Orange Crush is just the thing. It's simply great with holiday cookies, with fruitcake and nut breads, too. It's the world's favorite orange drink. And when you serve it to your friends, they'll appreciate your giving them the best. So be sure there's plenty of Orange Crush on hand for the holiday season. You can get it at your dealers in six-bottle handy packs. And always ask for Orange Crush by name. Don't say orange. Say Orange Crush. Because there's no other drink so good. No other orange drink in the world has that natural, fresh fruit flavor. That's O-R-A-N-G-E... C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Naturally, it tastes better. Now back to the Green Hornet.
Immediately after office hours, Dryden hurried to Julian Carey's home. While Carey and Pete McCone listened, Dryden told what he had heard while eavesdropping. And there's a guard there now. But the papers are in the safe, and my superiors want them more than anything in the world. You have the combination to the safe. Give it to Pete. I have it on paper in my pocket. Here you are, Pete. Okay. Let me have the key to your office, too. Key? Yeah. You don't think I'm going to break in and have the guard come at me shooting, do you? Uh, no. Well, then give him the key. All right. Here's the key. Oh, I'm afraid they'll suspect me after this. The guard on duty in the office of the American Defense Foundation tensed as he heard the door to Dr. Wiley's office open. He started to reach for his gun, but Pete McCone, his gun ready, shot first. Too bad you're slow on the draw, bud. But a guy's got to do things like this when he's making a business call. (laughs) Yes? This is Julie. Pete! How'd you make out? You have. Then bring them here until we get word from Joey. Rick Reed and Dr. Wiley returned to the foundation office at 8 o'clock. The first sight that greeted their eyes was the body of the guard dead on the floor. Oh, my heavens. Reed, he's been murdered. Yes, he's dead all right. The body's still warm. I'll call the police. Wait. Let me look inside first. Wiley led the way into the inner office. There's nothing disturbed in here. Open the safe, anyway. Yes. Reed, they've been stolen. The papers are gone, but... But that's not possible. Isn't it? Doctor... Who else has the combination to this safe? Uh, no one. No one at all. Are you sure? There's not a copy of it anywhere? No. no. Wait, I take that back. I have the combination written on a slip of paper, but that's hidden in a secret compartment in my desk. You thought the papers were hidden in a paneled wall safe. You also thought that no one knew of Hayward's project in Arizona, or that he was flying back here with the plans. But someone knew. Someone had to know. But who? Who lived? Wait. What about that secretary of yours, Dryden? Oh, he knows absolutely nothing, Reed. Are you sure of that? Before you call the police, call Dryden. See if he's at home. Yes, yes certainly. Uh, Reed, his phone number's there on the pad of my desk. Get it for me, will you please? I'm, I'm too upset to recall it. Oh, certainly. Let me see. D's. Yeah, Dryden, 918 Yarmouth. Trafalgar 9970. Here, I'll dial it for you, Doctor. Thank you. Joseph, is that you? How long have you been home? All evening, you say. Yes, something is wrong, something terribly wrong. A man has been murdered in this office. While Dr. Wiley talked, a suddenly grim and resolute Britt Reed withdrew quietly from the office. With no word of explanation, he left the office and hurried to the lobby of the building. There he placed a telephone call to Cato, his valet and confidant, the first man ever to know that Reed was the Green Hornet. Cato, meet me as soon as possible with the Black Beauty and everything else. I'm at the Midtown building. I'll meet you in that alley on Bond Street off water. You remember the place? Yeah, that's it. It's dark now, and that section's deserted. 
No, I'll tell you when I see you. Hurry. Reed left the building and hailed a taxi. He left it a short distance from his meeting place with Cato. Here you are, Cabby. Thanks, mister. He waited ten minutes in the alley at Bond and Water Street. Then the Black Beauty appeared and he entered. Cato, we're going to Yarmouth Street, somewhere near the number 918. What's there, Mr. Britt? A young man who was still on the telephone about 15 minutes ago. A man who may still be there, or may be gone by now. I want to find out. Why? What'd he do? Britt told him of the day's events, the two shootings, and the robbery of the defense plans. And this fellow Dryden was outside the door when I spoke to Wiley. I feel sure of it. You think he'll hear what you say about the papers, and then maybe come back and steal them? It's an outside chance. Uh, turn right here, Cato. Yes, if he's involved, he may be ready with an alibi for the police. I doubt that he'll be prepared for a visit from the Green Hornet. This is a quiet neighborhood. Let me see. Yeah, there, that house in the corner, that's 918. I'll wait till I place my mask on. Tito. What is it, Mr. Britt? Oh, that man who come from house? Yes, that's Dryden. He's walking to that parked car. He's starting. We follow him, Mr. Britt? Yes. Wait a few seconds and then take after him. The Green Hornet and Cato in the Black Beauty followed the speeding car in front of them. Dryden at the wheel drove through back streets and then headed for the outskirts. Cato, by careful maneuvering, remained inconspicuous in the background. Finally, Dryden stopped his car. So did the Black Beauty beneath overhanging trees a block away. He's going into that large house with the trees in front, Cato. Was well, that where we go too, Mr. Britt? Yes. Get your gas gun ready and mask yourself. I'm all set. Come on. Inside the house, Joseph Dryden, pacing nervously, was talking to Julian Carey and Pete McCone, unaware that two figures were listening in the adjoining hallway. I couldn't stay at home. When the doctor called me, that was suspicious enough. So I got in touch with my bosses and told them to bring the money here. You probably have the cops here, too. They'll be looking for you for sure now. You dope. Why didn't you stay and give them the alibi you had? Why? Julian told me early tonight that I'd be on the spot right away. I hoped I mightn't be. But you had to kill that guard. He would have got me first if I hadn't fired. Hey, why are you worried about murder, Joey boy? You didn't care if Pete killed Hayward, did you? Uh, I didn't think about it beforehand. I, I thought he'd get the papers and never involve me. Well, Hayward wanted to make trouble, too. That's why I had to let him have it. What time are those commie bosses of yours coming with the money, Joey? We don't hand over these plans till we get the dough on the line. Well, they'll be here soon, very soon. They said... Hey, who's that? On the front door. Pete, see who it is. Okay. Don't pull a gun until you look and see who's there. Don't worry about me. Pete stepped into the hallway and started for the front door. As he passed, a figure leaped from the darkness, crashing a gun down on his head. As Pete fell, Cato, who had struck him, bent and sprayed the gas gun in his face. Meanwhile, the Green Hornet tiptoed to a spot outside the room. After a minute's silence... 
Dryden's voice was heard. He's taking a long time. I'd better see if it's my comrade. Well, maybe Pete took the money himself. Pete, who is that at the door? Who are you? The Green Hornet, that's who. The Green Hornet leaped over Dryden's fallen body and entered the room, gun pointed. You, get your hands high. Green Hornet? Yes, I said keep those hands high. You can't kid me, Hornet. That's a gas gun you use. What's the idea of coming here? What? Give me that gun? Try to get the jump, would you? Yeah. Let's see you jump. No, no, my arm. You're breaking it. I'll break your jaw. Yeah. You'll need some gas, too. As Carrie fell to the floor, knocked out, Cato entered. You've got him, too. Yes. Here's the drape tie box to tie up the three of them. I want to write all the information we heard and leave it for the police. Then we'll telephone. The Green Hornet wrote a long note for the police, while Cato tied Dryden, Pete, and Julian Carey. Yeah. Well, that's a big call. Uh, police headquarters, please. Uh, the commissioner's office. Commissioner, this is the Green Hornet. I have the man who killed a guard tonight at the American Defense Foundation. He's the one who shot Dr. Haywood. All right, Commissioner. Goodbye. Ah, perfect timing. Must be the men with money, Dryden's bosses. Shall we welcome them? Welcome very big. Do you want to see Mr. Dryden? Yes, but I cannot see Step inside you, quickly. Come quickly, show to see. What? Yes, now what? Hey, look. Yes, look. Welcome to the gas house. Here. <coughs> gas for you, too. They should be surprised. Now we tie them. Don't bother. Here come police cars. We'll run out the rear door and get to the Black Beauty. Let's go. Axford, in Reed's office next morning, was telling of the scene he witnessed when he arrived with headquarter detectives and federal officers the previous night. And Reed, when I got there, this fellow Dryden was spilling out everything to the cops that got there first. He was a red agent, eh? He sure was. Planted in the foundation to do just what he did, steal information. Well, what about this Julian Carey? Ah, he's just a no-good murdering crook playing both sides of the street. Pete McCone was his man, but he belonged to no man now but the executioner. They proved that the gun he had was the one that killed the guard and shot Dr. Hayward. Gunnigan tells me Hayward's getting better and has already identified McCone. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear the leaders of the spy ring walked into the trap. With $50,000 on them, too. Mm. They were going to pay for those papers that Carrie had, the ones that were stolen from the foundation. Do you know what was in those papers, Reed? No, that seems to be a secret. But they were important, else none of the things you witnessed could have happened. Well, I guess you're right. But a secret as big as that in the papers was, what happened to the Green Hornet? Ah, Reed, I wish you could tell me that. story for today. Another exciting story brought to you by the most refreshing drink in the world, 
the drink that's actually good for you because it's made with real oranges, the one and only Orange Crush. It sparkles, it tingles, it makes you feel fresh again. Always keep several bottles in your refrigerator and always remember, the handy way to do that is to get the handy pack, six bottles of Orange Crush in a handy carrying case. This program is a feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated, created by George W. Trendle, produced by Trendle Campbell Muir Incorporated, directed by Charles D. Livingston, and edited by Fran Stryker. The part of the Green Hornet is played by Jack McCarthy. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit, and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. The Green Hornet is brought to you every Wednesday and Friday at the same time by the most refreshing drink in the world, Orange Crush. That's the drink you like best of all. Try it. Next time, ask for Orange Crush. But remember, don't say orange, say Orange Crush. O-R-A-N-G-E-C-R-U-S-H. Orange Crush. Next Friday, listen to the Green Hornet again in the exciting story of danger entitled Murder and Espionage. And now till Friday, this is Fred Foy saying so long from Orange Crush. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.